Let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in you. Lord, I've come to know the weaknesses I see.
Heavenly Father, this morning we sing as we praise, as we give you thanks on this Sunday when we remember the birth of your son, the greatest gift to all of humanity. May it be a sweet sound in your ear, O oh God, as we give you thanks on this Sunday of love. We, Father, we just ask this day that you accept our praise, that you hear our voices, that you accept our thanks, and we give you the glory and the honor, O oh God, for the greatest gift of all, the true reason for this season. We ask this morning that as our pastor brings the word to us, that you speak boldly through him, give him strength, May his words cut through to our hearts. And may we hear your words from you and take them and share with the world that needs to know that in all else that's going on, that you are 
the true gift to this world. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Savior of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. All right. Good morning, Lighthouse. Hope that you guys are doing well. I'm really excited. Jeff is going to be uh, sharing with us this morning. And this is one of those weeks, I don't know if you guys know this, but every time that Jeff gets to speak, and I love when he does, God just, his life goes crazy and haywire over the course of that week, and that's definitely been one of these. So this is a message that God has been working in him and through him throughout the week. But I want to let you guys know of a few things, because I would guess he's not the only one whose life feels a little bit crazy right now. This is kind of, it's funny how in this end of the year time when we want to slow down and be with family, it tends to do just the opposite. It speeds up. And so that's why we do Advent. That's the whole point of this time, of the, the candles and, and of these weeks leading up to Christmas, to try to kind of pump the brakes on our lives and to slow down enough that we do not, in the, in the running here and there and all of the parties that we're going to and all of the presents that we've got to buy and trying to remember, did I get everybody? Guys, I know you're not thinking that, but your wives definitely are. Um, you should probably be thinking about how you're going to be celebrating your wife. But um, in the midst of all of the madness, we simply want to slow down and remember that this is not a season for presents. This, uh, this is not about the presents. This is not about Santa. This is about celebrating a God who loves us so much that he was willing to enter into our reality. And, and walk with us, kind of revealing the heart of God and ultimately giving himself. And that's what we are celebrating today and throughout this week. And I know that you guys know that Christmas Eve is coming up here on Friday. This is one of those times where we get to do church a few more times this week. On Friday, we are going to celebrate Christmas Eve as a church family. It is absolutely a family service. It's one hour from 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. here in, 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 the, in the sanctuary. For those of you who aren't able to be with us in person, maybe you're traveling, you're with family, uh, maybe you're feeling a little bit under the weather and you're just like, I don't want to share germs. I love be being generous, but not with those. Um, if that's the case, you can, we're going to be live streaming it as well. But I hope that you will choose to join us between 4.30 and 5.30 on Christmas Eve in here as we simply try to pull back the patina of uh, uh, all of the messiness and all of the uh, myth that kind of gets thrown in there, and simply remember what God did on that first Christmas Eve. And so, uh, from 4.30 to 5.30 in here, if you would like to invite a neighbor, a family member, somebody that you work with that does not attend another church community, I would encourage you to grab, there's invitations in the front. This is your invitation. I am inviting you to come and join me and my family as we are family together. But why don't you invite some people to come and join you? Then we have Christmas on Monday. No, I'm sorry, on Saturday. I'm totally thrown off here. Sorry about that. We have, Chris, we have Christmas Day on Saturday, which means that we get to come back the day after Christmas for the last service of the year. And that's one of my absolute favorites. I know that it's, it, it could be easy to get lost in the, in the craziness of this week, but on that last Sunday of the year, we have something that we traditionally do called a Remember Celebrate service. It's a time for us to slow down and look back over the course of this last year and to begin to identify the fingerprints of God's faithfulness 
over and over and over throughout the year. And guys, I know it's hard probably to think of them off the top of your head, but I guarantee you they're there. In fact, as I've been thinking about the ways God has been faithful to our church this year, it's amazing how many things I've forgotten. And so we want to come together and just celebrate those things. And one of the things I want to let you know about is we actually have a couple of baptisms we get to celebrate on that day as well, which is one of my absolute favorite things we get to do as a church. And because of that, if you have been contemplating getting baptized and you would be interested in that, please don't let today go by without coming and talking to myself or Pastor Jeff, because we would love to celebrate that with you. And with that, I'm going to invite my, my brother and my friend Jeff to come up here and lead us. So would you welcome him? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good morning. I'm, am, I on? am I officially on? I'm on? Okay, good. I'm loud enough where if I'm not on, I'll still just keep talking. It won't stop me. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? You're definitely doing better than I'm doing. No matter what you're doing, you're definitely doing better than I'm doing. This is one of the end of the year kind of scenarios for me where it's kind of like a cloud of smoke, a debris field, and someone emerges from it. And I'm like, okay, we're almost done. We're almost to the finish line. Whoa, hey, now I really, oh, okay, good. That just woke me up even more. Don't wake me up. I was doing good sleeping. Um, but as the end of the year comes for me, one of the things I love about Advent is the opportunity to kind of slow down each week and stop and say, okay, what are we looking forward to this week? We started it all um, with talking about peace. Now, um, if you guys don't have peace and you weren't here for those messages, don't forget all of our messages are all online. You can go back and backtrack them at any moment. Um, but Pastor Eric was really, it was a, one of those insightful messages for me when we talked about peace being God's completion of things. And I thought that was crucial because I don't know about you, but it seems like a lot of us have kind of gone more into peacekeeper mode rather than peacemaker mode, right? As peacekeepers, we kind of try to avoid conflict, anything we can to avoid conflict. But what we learned about from Pastor Eric was peacemakers are inserted in the conflict, right? Their job is to make peace in the midst of conflict. It's not the absence of conflict. It's peace in the midst of conflict. Thus, God completes something. He does something with conflict. Hey, in this world, you will have, right? In this world, you're going to have issues, but what is God doing with them? He's bringing us peace. After we learned the difference of that, we understood something that it, it transitioned us. It gave us a new hope that led to joy, like a new hope, like you, the Star Wars. You wonder where Star Wars got it. The new hope is actually for us is, a, is the new hope in Christ, that what Christ initiated at Christmas, the birth of a small child in a very nonchalant area possibly in a cave or a manger, whatever setting it was, it was very humble, it was very simple. But that new hope, the hope that Christ actually initiated in that manger was something that changed the entire, entire world's outlook on Christmas. The reason for the season is Christ's mass. Don't forget that. When you say Christmas, you're saying Christ's mass. It's the celebration of Christ. If people want to say happy holidays to you, that's fine. But it will always be Merry Christmas for me because I'm celebrating the birth of Christ. And the joy that came from that led to a, a weekend last week. I don't know if you guys were in here for Bill and Sherry. Uh, definitely want to rewind that with some popcorn and celebrate because Pastor Bill was able to share with us some insight that Jesus is the only claimed savior of the world. Jesus is the only one. There's been lots of other people come and gone in this world. Lots of other people have claimed to be good people. But Jesus is the only claimed Messiah, right? There's been no one else who's been born and risen from the dead other than Jesus. We know that because we're still celebrating him here today. 
And then it ended with Sherry, his daughter, coming up here and talking about how difficult her life has been this year, how difficult it is losing all the different family members that they've lost. Yet through it all, God has shown her something, that joy was something that she needed to choose, that joy was something that was simply available in the midst of all that, just like the peace of God that passes all understanding. It was available to her if she simply chose it. And the result of that was Fala la 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 la. I didn't know that I signed up for dancing last week, by the way, Sherry, just in case you're wondering, but I danced like there was no tomorrow because, church, we could all use a little bit more joy, right? Amen to some joy? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. And because of that, we finally make it to the end of the Advent. Now, Advent sounds very similar to um, the, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. The difference is in, in fruits of the Spirit, it starts with love. We're kind of ending with love because everything that we're doing about love is building up to next week, which is the birth of Christ. So if you guys do kind of recognize some of the similarity there, it is similar. But basically it comes down to this. The love of God, the love that God has shown at Christmas in the birth of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone for everything that we say and everything we do. Everything we are as believers in order to, to be this beautiful light that you see around us, to be lights as believers is all predicated on one single component, that we have a love of God inside of us that fills us, not just at Christmas, right? A lot of people get filled with joy at Christmas, but not just at Christmas. But the goal of this message this morning would be to just remind you that the love that Jesus initiated in his birth, it's enough and sufficient to last for every Christmas, for every day, until the Lord returns. I'm going to pray this morning, and I hope that I can simplify for you what biblical love is. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity this morning to study your word. I know that even studying this week has come at a great cost. Every time we open up the words like the Bereans before us, Father, to find ourselves worthy, we want to study, we want to be approved workmen that are, that are found accountable, Father, but man, the, the world is making it more and more difficult every day to, to find true love. The world is it's filled with fakes, it's filled with frauds, and everything that we says, everything that we hear and that says, this is true, this is true, we know it's not true. Father, I pray that this morning that your word would speak mightily to us, that your gospels, Father, would continue to re reveal the good news that's simple, that's clear, and it's concise, Father, but it's something that we need to be reminded of. May we be reminded of it, that your joy is sufficient for today, and your hope will cover us for eternity. We do it on Say It All in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. So this morning I'm going to focus on love, and I'm really going to try to break it down into some components that I think that will make it easier for you to understand. Now whenever it comes to something in life that I have to break it down to something, I always fall back on something that I learned when I had a business some time ago. Now lucky enough during the time that I had a business, I had a gentleman who was called a business advisor, and I paid this gentleman a large sum of money every month to come and advise us on how to run a proficient business. Thankfully, this man's name's Jay, was a believer in Christ, and he taught me a principle which I want to share with you guys that I think will help us understand something. It's called the what, the how, and the why. This is basically what Jay taught me. Everything that you do in life is all based on these three things. So work diligently to always understand what you are doing. Make peace with the fact that how you're doing it will change. But no matter what you do, when it comes down to it, at all costs, never stop until you absolutely understand why you are doing it. So what are you doing? How are you doing it? But why do you do it? All right? So whatever your job title is, pastor, father, friend, that's your focus. That's going to be what you want to focus your attention on. 
The how you do it, that's going to change. As time goes on, methods change, systems change, things change. Don't be so fixated on how things happen. Things are going to happen either way, but be focused on what it is you're doing. And through it all, no matter what you do, always be willing to ask yourself at the end of the day, why am I actually spending time doing this? If you the why of why you're doing something, if you don't understand what it means to biblically love, then this morning I think I'll break it down in such a way that's going to make it super clear. That's the backdrop for me, because love has so many different opinions about it. Everybody seems to have their own understanding about what love is. I think growing up in America, we're entitled to have opinions because we've heard so many different things. We've heard it said, if you don't labor for something, it's not worth anything, right? You heard that said before? If if something's worth having, it's worth working for. How does that apply when it comes to biblical love? The truth about biblical love is it's absolutely 100% free, but it costs somebody something. But the reality is we have to receive that. And for a lot of people, receiving salvation is difficult because they have to realize that even though they don't feel worthy of it, Jesus says they are. Biblical love is based on the concept of salvation. Biblical love is exclusively based on the concept of salvation. Salvation is a gift from God given freely to all mankind, and it's the opportunity to simply receive Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for payment of your sins. That's the what we're trying to get to. The what we're trying to get to is what is biblical love all about. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Nothing says what love is supposed to be like more clearly than 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I've done a lot of weddings. I'm sure you guys have been to a lot of weddings. Very few things raise the bar as high as 1 Corinthians 13. So in case you haven't heard it again, let's take a minute just to read. I'll just do 1 through 8. If I speak of tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and the knowledge that I have of faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give up all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I might boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. For love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres, for love never fails. It ends by saying the greatest of these of love. Man, talk about raising the bar high on what we're supposed to be doing, right? Always love? I don't know about you, but how many of us here are always loving? For those of us who failed to take out the trash last night or do any of the tasks that we were assigned this morning, we're probably more proficient at not loving than we are loving. But that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be aspiring to. And I always ask myself, it's no wonder why Christian marriages... 51% of Christian marriages end in divorce. We set the bar so high by asking people what they're supposed to do, but maybe we haven't stopped to talk about them about how they do it or why they're even doing it. It's so misunderstood. There's songs about it. There's movies about it. Matter of fact, I think the most appropriate song is simply this. What's love got to do with it? Well, Well, church, the answer is simply this. It has everything to do with it. Everything. Okay. So let me get on to something. Let me move on to the how do we love. How do we love? Romans 12, 9 is going to be a verse that I'm going to start with. It's short, it's sweet, it's simple. Hopefully like this message today, short, sweet, and simple. Romans 12, 9 says this. First of all, true love must be genuine. It must hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Now think about that. It's only three little phrases, but all three are super powerful. 
It must be genuine. In the world that we live in today, what, what's actually left that's actually genuine? What do you actually know in your life today that is 100% genuine? Is there anything left that's actually genuine? There's just not a lot of things genuine. There's, there's not a lot of things real. And hate what is evil? I don't know about you, but what I see in reality today is it seems like we're embracing what is evil. I find people allow themselves to go to movies that kind of embrace dark subject matters, right? And for the sake of entertainment, we're willing to kind of slide over a little bit and do something that we know not, if Jesus shows up in town, he's not going to probably be at that movie, but yet we're willing to do that. And so the Bible makes it real simple. We either hate one thing and love another or love one thing and hate another, right? It's pretty cut and dry. It's black and white. So for those of us who want to hang in the middle and become lukewarm, I want to encourage you somewhere around February when we get to the, the Church of Revelation, you're going to find out being lukewarm in the kingdom of God is not the most proficient place to be. Love what is good and cling to what is good and hate is what is evil. Th those are your only options. And I don't know about you, but clinging to what good, it seems like most of us are repealed by what's good. When we talk about things that are truly pure and tru truly good in today's society, I don't, people don't seem to be as interested about it. And that, that's hard for me because if it's not genuine, then it's fake. And if it's fake and it's not real, then that means it's a substitute for what God intended for us. The true biblical love that God intended for us, not only does it compel us to love, to love God, right? Our relationship with God, love God first. But then the results of that is John 13, 35 says this. By this, what is this? By this love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. If you love God genuinely, if you full-heartedly care about God and you love the things of God and you repel yourself from the things of the world, if you love God in that way, that initiates the relationship for you to have true biblical love. And because of that relationship with God and because of the way that you love, you then will be compelled. There's almost a sense of urgency to share your love with others. What do the Gospels have to teach this? One of the things I love looking at is kind of the Gospels as, a, as an overview. And I started looking at Matthew, and I realized that Matthew does have a topic in particular. It continually reminds us about when it talks about love. Matthew talks about this, that love is sacrificial. Its goal is to put the lives and needs of others before our own. So think of it this way. If you're going to save up something, save up things in heaven. Save up things where moth and rust and thieves can't steal. But otherwise, any and all of your earthly resources, anything you have in this world that God has given to you use, be willing to use those for the sake of the kingdom of God. And I know, once again, this just doesn't work with kind of a society where we've developed, you know, get all you can, keep all you can, and then save all your cans, right? I mean, it's all about whatever you need to do for you and your clan to kind of prepare and protect yourself. Believe it or not, there are other religions out there, more like cults, that's kind of their whole mantra is that they save and do everything for themselves. And if you're not of them, they really have no interest in providing for you. Guys, the church needs to realize something that Jesus came for the lost, right? Jesus sacrificed his life. John 15, John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, right? That's all for the sake of love. That means spend all you can for the sake of the lost, because you're laying up for yourself treasures in a place that they can't be taken. I love the fact that when we love that way, that it begins to encourage others to give and it encourages others to stay strong because the reality is people grow weary. The Bible says, don't grow weary in doing good. How many of you feel like you're the only one left that's actually trying to do good? 
I mean, it's a lonely world out there for you if you're pulling on that rope and you feel like you're the only person pulling on that rope. It's like, am I the last person that truly understands what it means to care about others? You're not alone. So I love the fact that Matthew gives us that. Matthew, focus on being sacrificial. What about Mark? Mark's, uh, he writes some stuff. He gives us some good information. Mark talks about this. We must be willing to serve others at all costs. A life of service is key. Now, how does Mark predicate that? On Mark 9.35, he says, Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, they must first be last and be the servant of all. So Matthew's talking about sacrifice, and Mark's talking about servant. Why? Because the servant's goal is to set the example. It's not to ask others to do for him. The servant's goal is to set the example. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. As if I try to please everybody in every way, I'm doing so, not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that what? So that they might be saved, Paul says. This is the idea that everything that we do, and no matter what it costs us, no matter what the price is, we're doing it for a reason. The goal is always salvation. The goal is always to present them with the gift that you have already received. What you have received in your salvation is the ability to love. Right? So it starts with our relationship with God, God's relationship with Jesus, and then our relationship with one another. Dr. Luke has something to say about it, too. Dr. Luke tells us very uh, specifically that love has the ability to heal. It reaches out to those around, friends, families, neighbors, and strangers, and it tells them one thing. I'm here for your betterment. The betterment of God's word simply is this. When you share the love of Christ with someone, you allow the healing work of Jesus on the cross to save them from their sins. It shares and it shows with them this hope, this joy, this peace that we get that's not available in any toy, in any present, in any online atmosphere. Nothing is more healing from sin than the salvation that comes from Jesus. It's the ultimate Christmas gift. If you're looking to buy somebody something that truly will last, if you're looking to give somebody something that will make conversations for years to come, share with them the hope that is Jesus Christ. Talk about a gift that nobody can afford, that everybody needs, that's freely available. Which ultimately leads to the why. I told you this was a quick message. I'm really excited. I have a lot of my family here, and I'm looking forward to spending time with them. But if you hear nothing today about everything I've shared with you, please listen to these simple two verses. The why we love is so important. Why we love is because Jesus first loved us. And the way that Jesus loved us is in one of the simplest verses that's ever been stated that all the world knows, but they're not necessarily stopping to think about what the great theology that it actually teaches. For John 3.16 tells us the primary theology. The book ends, if you will have it, about why love is so important. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved, he gave. Think about that. The one single great example that we've had the whole time, and it's been there and a lot of us has missed, is that God himself gave. He spared not even his own son, right? Romans 8.31, not sparing his own son. He delivered him up, a sacrifice for, all, for us all. For what? For our sins. And this is the kind of love that's essential to biblical true love. Think about that for a minute. The love of God, it pervades every minute and every moment of the story of Christmas. From the initial struggles, from Joseph's initial betrothal to Mary. Talk about love. If Joseph didn't love Mary, he could have had her stoned before the whole story even began. Love has been a part of it. 
Jesus fights his way through being born in a manger, and who shows up? Small boys, little shepherds, and wise men who traveled afar, because what Jesus was initiating was something that the whole world would experience. And John was writing it down in such a simple passage just to say this. Christmas may be over in your hearts after December 25th, but the love that Jesus actually gave to the world in his birth is something that's provided until the Lord returns. John also went on to write in 1 John 4 that it's a love that completes us. How does it complete us? Because it reminds us with God first loving us, we now have the opportunity to love one another. Without God first loving us and sending Jesus Christ to die for our sins, the opportunity even to share or to show love to someone else would physically be impossible. It's been said that every good thing comes from above. And I not only agree with that, but I would state that the good thing that came from above was in fact Jesus coming to this earth and giving his life. So let me read with you this final passage, and uh, then I'm going to share with you a very quick video because... My family refused to come on stage and share with me in public, so. <laughs> 1 John 4, 10 through 11. If you're looking for a verse to read this, uh, this Christmas time with your family, if you're looking for um, something to kind of just remind yourself to get in the Christmas, Christmas mode, this verse has been very powerful. Pastor Eric and me were talking about why this is such a key verse, and I'll finish with this verse. 1 John 4, 10 through 11. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And for no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, then God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I read that and I started thinking about something. So what that means is salvation does not mandate that we love but salvation allows us to love. If you're someone who's received the blessing that is Jesus Christ and your, is your Lord and Savior, then you've been given the blessing to love others. And our ability to love others and to love others well, remember Romans 12, 9 said, it needs to be genuine. It needs to be honest. It needs to be sincere. It's something that people are measuring us by. They may not know a lot about faith, but they know about how you love them your coworkers, people that see you every day, and driving home at 40 miles an hour, opening your garage door and closing it before one neighbor has the chance to say hello may not be the ultimate way to communicate, hey, I've been given something that's changed my life. Let me share it with you. It's a privilege to celebrate Christmas. It's a privilege to celebrate who Jesus is. It's Emmanuel, after all. It's God with us. It's a genuine love for your friends, for your family, for the lost. It's the opportunity to realize that Christmas does something for us. It does something for the world that they don't even know. It shows them love regardless of how they respond. One final example, and then I'm going to play the video. Think about this. Many times in the Bible, if you've ever been in church, you've probably heard this phrase and been very confused by it. Let me take one final attempt to settle this for you. The term is predestined love. You ever heard that before, predestined love? Pretty confusing, right? But think about this. God so loved us that he predestined us for that love, knowing that we may not return it back to him. Isn't this the same thing that every parent in this room has ever done with every child that's ever been born? That child is conceived in love and predestined in love to do what? 
to live their lives, to make their own choices, to live and do whatever they deem appropriate. And the single greatest reward that that parent will ever receive is that love back from that child of their own volition, right? And that's exactly what God has done with us. He foreknew us. He foreloved us. In our mother's womb, he knew who, who we were. He knitted us together, and he gave us the opportunity, not just with a cross, not just with Christmas, but he gave us the opportunity to realize that your life matters, and every life of every human being matters. And although you're going to do it differently, and although your kids might do it differently than how you would have done it, the reality is simply this. Whether or not you return that good gift that was given to you back or not, you still give it. Right? You don't just give gifts to your kids at Christmas hoping that you get something good back from them. A lot of the times your kids don't even have the opportunity to give you stuff back. And so something as treasured as maybe a pencil drawing or a crayon drawing from a small child might be more valuable than any gift they ever manifest back to you, right? Because what they're trying to give back to you is biblical love. I hate, to th- I hate to say it, but the Bible says in Matthew 7, 11, if you being evil earthly fathers give good gifts, how much more does your Father in heaven give you good gifts, right? I mean, think about that. Separated from the love of God, trapped in our sins, we're, we, how could we give any good gifts? Yet we still have this desire to try to give to our children, to provide for our children a genuine love that they would know, to be recognized by the love that we give them, a love that's sacrificial, that gets up in the morning, that goes to bed at night, that drives them to school, that takes them to proms and dances and does whatever it possibly needs to do, that continues to serve them regardless of the cost, regardless of their age. Healing, healing, there's nothing more healing than love. The next time you have a, a really bad argument or any kind of discrepancy with somebody, just realize something. Just put your head down and walk in and hug and tell them that you're sorry. There's nothing more healing than the words of forgiveness because forgiveness reminds us that forgiveness comes from above. You and I can't forgive somebody. You have to die on a cross to authorize forgiveness. All we can simply do that forgiveness is authorized by God. Painful but true. And the reality is every day your family will go out there and live and do and be and hopefully all the things that you've inspired and instilled in them about love will one day come back to manifest so that you too can invite them on a stage and hand them a microphone and let them share with their church family all the ways that God has blessed them. My beloved family left and my beloved family right. The good news is my entire beloved family is in the back right corner right there. I have my grandson, my, my brother, my daughters. I have friends and family. I have a lot of things. I even have my fishing family in this church. Church Besides the family of God that's obvious, your physical family, would you just take a moment to realize something? Your spiritual family is just as significant. The people that you're privileged to do life with is a blessing. So my family was not able to come up here and bless you guys, but thankfully my family is tech savvy. And so on behalf of my family, on behalf of my older daughter, Courtney, who's been super blessed and encouraged by this church from years from afar, my family has put together a small montage of what love is to them and just kind of a way of saying thank you, church, for everything that you guys have done for us. So on behalf of my family, Mark, if you could run that. Jesus loves me and I know for the Bible tells me so little. Love is patient. Love is kind. Little one and he is strong. 
love is beautiful. Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. Love is service. For the Bible tells me so. Love is forgiveness. Love is selfless. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me. Love is unifying. And Dodger Baseball. Love is a sacrifice, but we do it for those we care about. Love is family. Hey everyone, some of you may know me. I am Courtney. I am Jeff Lee's oldest daughter. And I know a lot of you at the church have been praying for us and loving on me and my family for a number of years. So I just wanted to take a minute to jump on and say what I think of love and what I've learned from love. And I like to think that I'm pretty blessed. I grew up with parents who showed us a prime example of love and modeled what a loving relationship was and what love would look like in our lives so that we were able to carry it on into our adult lives. But I think something happens when you are married and have kids that that love changes. And I can tell you that the greatest expression of love that I've ever felt was the day when my first baby was born. And a lot of you know <laughs> that my journey and my family's journey with having children has been a struggle and has had a lot of really high highs and a lot of really low lows. But the love that you feel for your children is a love, an expression of love that I think is the greatest one that I've ever felt. And I have felt the highest of high when my babies were born. And I felt the lowest of lows in my love when I had to hold my baby that was no longer on this earth. But there's something in that, and there's a love that's in that, that has filled me with such joy and such gratefulness, and has showed me that love is not just a day-to-day -day thing. Love is all-encompassing, and it is, you know, good days and bad days. And I just am so blessed now that I have three healthy babies here, and a better expression of love besides me just experiencing their birth and them being welcomed to this earth is watching them now love on each other. I think that that is the greatest blessing and the greatest kind of love as a parent that we can see is that we not only love each other and love our children, but to see our children model that love to each other. And so if anything, I want to say thank you and I love you all and I appreciate you all. And I hope that you know that the love I feel is through your prayers, through your gifts, and through your time. 
and I hope that my dad's message and this video today has shown you how blessed we all are to have so much love in our life.
Hope you guys have an awesome Christmas week. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Jeff was up here speaking, and, and particularly that last verse that he had us read out of 1 John chapter 4, uh, I could not help but take in this very unique tableau, because we always have the cross up there, reminding us that our relationship with God isn't contingent upon our own efforts, but upon the gift that Jesus gave us when he went to the cross and took our sins upon him. But I love how we have the nativity directly under the cross because a lot of times with Christmas, we almost want to treat Christmas and Easter like they're two completely different things. But in reality, Christmas was the first step towards the ultimate victory that Christ won for us on Easter Sunday. We cannot appreciate the power of Christmas and why it matters so much if we don't remember that Christmas was the first step towards Easter. And so I want to read this, this, these two verses that Jeff read earlier from 1 John chapter 4 again, keeping in mind that Jesus came in order to go to the cross because it defines for us what love is. 1 John 4, I'm going to begin in verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. You want to know what love is? This is how God modeled it for us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Because the world likes to define what love is. The world likes to say, you got to earn love. you got to be good enough to be loved. 
you got to perform so that people will love you. And once you've performed a little bit, you can't stop because you've just signed yourself up for the hamster wheel of performance for the rest of your life. Because the moment you stop running, you're going to fall flat on your face and they're all going to laugh at you. But the love of God is not something we earn. You cannot earn a gift. This is love. Not that we loved God, not that it's from us to him and that built that bridge. No, it's the other way around. But that God loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He came as a baby so that he could grow up and walk to the cross and take our sin upon him. Christmas leads to Easter. Dear friends, since God loved us in this way, we also ought to love one another. We don't love other people so that we can be worthy of God's love. We love other people because we're already loved. We get to be conduits of that love. And so as you leave here today, you don't have to go out and prove your worthiness to God. You're his kids. Remember the, the words that Courtney said. And every single one of us who are parents in here understand this. Our kids do so many things to drive us nuts. They do so many things that are completely contrary to the character that we're trying to work into their lives. And yet, we never stop loving them, do we? We would, we would die in a heartbeat for our kids. And that's selfish human beings talking. But our Father in heaven, he looks at us in that way and he says, I loved you so much, I've already done that. I came and gave my life for you so that we could be restored back into relationship with one another. Now you go in the confidence of that. You are loved. So now go love others. As you leave here today and, and you, you, you interact with some other imperfect people, give them grace because of how much grace you've already been given. As you drive down the street with some ridiculously crazy drivers, or perhaps you're in the car with a ridiculously crazy driver. Give them grace. Love, because you've already been loved. As you interact with family and sometimes you want to choke them out, love them because you are already loved. I will, I will invite you. Some of you guys saw the, the pirate chest full of, of toys out there. We have been collecting toys for kids. Uh, that, that for families that have far less than us. Some of you still have forgotten to do that. Their grace abounds. You, you took one of the tags off the tree, you forgot to bring it back, no problem. You can still bring it back tomorrow. And at 9.30 tomorrow in the family room, we are going to be wrapping hundreds of those presents. If you have nothing going on tomorrow and you want to join us at 9.30 as a tangible way to love others because of how much you've been loved, please come and join us across the street in the family room. If you have gifts that you have forgotten to bring today, grace abounds, just maybe bring them tomorrow, okay? Um, and then I hope, I truly hope I get to see your faces and, and many of your family members and your, your neighbors and your coworkers with us on Friday night as we get to celebrate Christmas together. It's not about Santa and it's not about presents under the tree. It is about the first and greatest present that was ever given on Christmas, and that is the presence of our God in our lives, God with us. That's what we're going to celebrate on Friday. I hope you will be here with us. Have a wonderful week.
Talk to you soon. Thank you.